0: And welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing La Flor de la Palabra by Sera, featuring my new pal, Juan on guitar and vocals. Listen to us talk about the new album and a lot more right now.
1: I was born in a little town in the coast of the Caribbean, in the country Venezuela, um, and this little town name is Puerto La Cruz. So it's, a. Uh, am exactly from a neighborhood called Lecheria, it's a 79,000 people neighborhood I think it's only, like, five or six square miles. Um, It's very tiny. Uh, Somehow it's called the Progressist Neighborhood or something like that, Uh, which I found it's cool. We had a really uh, extensive diversity of cultures and also... um, just also like nature, uh, wildlife, and uh, plants because um, this neighborhood belongs to a bay called Pozuelo Bay. It's inside of a national park called Mochima, which is also the name of uh- your album. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, And so this national park is. More than half of it, it's it's just water. And there's a bunch of islands and little parts of the coast, um, like the bay. And it's very extensive. It goes from the state Anzuategui, where uh, which is the state where Puerto de la Cruz is it's located at. But it goes all the way to the next state, which is called Sucre. Um, so, yeah, that's just a bunch of interesting facts.
0: Yeah, that sounds um, beautiful.
1: Yeah, and it gives me context to talk a little bit about, you know, how was my just my situation growing up and family-wise and the place that I was at. Um, because it's a little beach town, I can say I had the opportunity of growing up uh, with a... Kind of laid back rhythm compared to big cities of my country like Caracas or valencia mm-hmm. um, ours was way more chill just like you know just the ocean um the climate it's it was i I believe like the entire year just one uh type of weather not <laughs> weather but cl- but like uh yeah climate like
2: yeah
1: let's say i think uh from celsius to firing head it will be like 80 to 85 all year so pretty laid back yeah um, because it's a tiny place you could go bicycle pretty much anywhere uh Venezuela and, uh, you know, like the entire uh, political climate and the consequences around that. Um, We had a pretty big rate of violence in the streets uh, caused by many different things, Uh, police officers or gangs or... Uh, Yeah, kind of like, very just like any other Latin American country. Um, But because this was a laid-back town, I gotta say, we had uh, just not that violent town compared to the others. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's a more, everybody will hold accountable. Uh, You will know kind of like everybody in town. Right. Um, or at least the families, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Another cool fact, and hard to explain, is that down there, the law is not... taken as seriously as here, which is... um it can be cool. It can be sometimes very concerning and just. So what I'm trying, what I'm trying to explain, just giving all this context, is that um, when I was 12 years old, um, my dad went into a bingo. I think I've never told this in a in an interview before. Okay, but um, he won, a scooter. So at the age of twelve, I had a scooter in my home that I could just take, and go to the to the ocean, for example.
0: And you're just zipping around town on this scooter. And nobody cared because
1: you know you could just drive literally, in like the bi- the bicycle lane.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know as long as you had like a helmet nobody really cared about oh this this little kid in a scooter you know it was like very normal mm-hmm. also little boats um because our hometown it's inside of this national park that it's made of a lot of water
2: mm-hmm.
1: we have these kind of like just water canals A lot like Florida, a lot—well, not Florida, but I meant, like, South Florida, more like Miami area or Fort Lauderdale. Just a bunch of, like, canals and little boats, and also kids will own little boats, which is a difficult thing to explain. Um, But, yeah, it was a fact, yeah. So I think that also gave me a lot of uh, just freedom to be myself, to do things at my own rhythm, um, and not just for me, but also uh, to Danny, which is my partner in crime in this project and almost all of the other musical projects that I do, mm-hmm. um, shoot out to Danny.
0: So you, you grew up together?
1: We did, yeah. yeah. Uh, so people will ask us, like, oh, are you uh, siblings? And we were always, like, we looked at each other and be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so at the eyes of many people in the musical community, we we were just siblings, uh-huh. which is kind of true because I got to say, uh, our families were close because of us. Um, we saw each other every Christmas. Like, both families were together every birthday or, or just like the Mother's Day or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. we were always, always together. And, um, yeah, I even went to uh, Caracas to study In college, and we had a certain. I am a little bit older, so I went a little bit earlier, Mm -hmm. but right away, you know, uh, Danny was there too, and we were both of us living in Caracas, which is the capital city. Uh, Venezuela, um, another many other latin american countries are very centralized so much of the just like much of like the industrial things and and like big shot jobs are in the capital cities mm-hmm. but puerto la cruz is a weird um very wealthy town because it's built 30 or 40 minutes away from a oil refinery that it's like the third biggest refinery in the world. I feel like I'm telling this and people will be like, Oh, this guy really loves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. But not. I don't know. It's just like cool, crazy facts. Um, At night, the refinery lights will be like looking at a Star Wars um set or something mm-hmm. it was so so crazy so cool yeah. um so yeah because we're built around that refinery we had people from all over like there's i remember uh seeing a lot of people from the US growing up um and then some other countries that will uh have like i guess like oil Work or exchange, or I don't know, but I, mm. I remember there's a big community of uh, Middle Eastern people, there's a big community of um, Sp- Spaniard
2: people. Okay, um,
1: yeah, I think Portugal also just we had people from all over in that little town, so it made it cool. And people were always more open-minded, uh, than other cities.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess it would be like, like engineers and stuff from, you know, these other different places. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Mainly. And
1: and not that many people from over there. Um, to be honest like it was rare to say like oh my family it's been here forever it was just a handful of families
2: mm-hmm.
1: but Danny's family and mine they were part of that tiny community that i guess um where almost all of them were born and raised there mm-hmm. so um they even knew each other from that time before we didn't even appear in the picture, which yeah. is cool. You know, they, they'll they be like, Oh, this is the whomever, uh, son or daughter or, you know, or yeah. yeah. So Danny's uncle went to high school with my dad. Um, Danny's grandmother loved my dad, uh, when they were just kids, and they were like studying bodies and whatever,
2: uh-huh.
1: so it, it's. I think that background of being very familiar, it, it, it's a really like a huge core of, of our art. Um, I actually was in a call with Danny just now before uh, coming here. And we were talking about it. We were talking about um how linked it's our friendship to the art that we do and how the the music represents like a sonic like footprint of moments that we've experienced together. Mm-hmm. Um
0: so yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um so I I'm guessing that like just like a lot of your childhood experiences um that you know you came into liking the kind of music that you would end up playing like pretty much together as well. Um Yeah. But um before you you know got into like whatever, you know, influences your, you know, the heavy aspects of your music now, like what kind of, you know, music were you, did you grow up on? Like uh, did your parents listen to at at the oh, house and stuff like that?
1: Yeah. So this is a very interesting thing. I So m- my parents weren't the most like, rockers Mm -hmm. um my dad's actually i don't think that my dad listens or or used to listen to that much of a rock and roll Mm -hmm. um he was very into like latin jazz and ballads something called boleros which is like it's weird because it's it's not really a genre but it, it is. It has like its own style and vocabulary. But it's it's more like salsa-ish, but slow and romantic mm-hmm. type of. Not not really. It's it has many more layers. I'm if if anybody out there, it's it's like a very like uh, well. Um, informed in this type of genres i'm not trying to diminish the boleros it's just um to make it more more general um it was like very just like latin jazz but slow and romantic okay so my dad was crazy about it um and he will listen from the most like roots or stuff recorded mono like very just like crappy recorded
2: uh-huh.
1: to the most like produced very pop side of it um, I gotta say to put to, to give it a context Latino people it wasn't it's, it's like we whole sometimes with arts and with like uh, things that are that you could consider um, intellectual activities or something alike mm-hmm. just just not to say only creative stuff but it's pretty much like they have high standards because in our society it's it's a dream to try to even, nearly be able to provide to your family with music only if you are in like concert halls or like huge, like this is gonna sound crazy, but like a huge, like religious musician type of thing, because there's there's plenty in Latin America. So rock music, it was always a little bit like a taboo. Like, let's say, and this could be just my own perspective, and I don't mean this in a way of, like, being like, oh, I I don't want to generalize, right? Right, but, right. But I think pretty much all of the Latin people had this parent or... Or family figure that will be like, this is real music, and this other is just like face music Mm -hmm. type of thing. And uh, I don't know. There's always that. So I'm not saying my dad was like that, but I am definitely certain that um, his mom was more strict. And I am... Almost certain that he couldn't get home and like, oh, I'm listening to this uh, worshiping of the devil music or whatever.
0: Right, right.
1: So he grew up with a different thing. But my mom is a cool mom, very just artsy. Um, So my dad is a dentist and my mom is a painter. So that's how day and night they are. So my mom... She was into all sorts of crazy, cool things. Um, from the rock side, she was a lot into, like, Rolling Stones. And I said this in another podcast recently, that she was a lot into Tom Jones. and Okay. Um, yeah, like, more like rock from that era. Of course, Beatles, I, you know, she was, like, into all of that. But also into weird... Um, just, like, Afro-Caribbean different type of shit, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, for example, I remember her telling me the story that she was into an artist named Miriam Makiva. So Miriam Makiva's hit is this song called Pata Pata, and it's like it goes like something like it's like very just like Calypso ish Afro beat. And my mom was all into it to the point that she will like even, uh, you know, like, oh, look at that Miriam Makeba dress and try to replicate one or, you know, Make some cool uh changes to a to a clothing so that it will look more just high be like those like uh yeah like those times yeah the i I was not born in that era though I'm just like you know trying to remember what what my mom was into um and some other stuff there's this Spanish band name Mecano. It was like a very like rock goth like eighties pop type of band. Okay. Um with a female singer, uh Ana Torrojas, I think is uh the name of the singer. And she was badass, like she used to have or for what I remember she, she I guess for a time, a long time she used to uh have like very short hair and just like very gothic dress. Um, and the songs were very deep. All the lyrics were about something very deep, like a uh, heroin addiction or um, like uh, just like a love triangle thing with like a very just like um, dramatic ending. Or stuff like that. Which was cool, but it was very dark and it was very weird to listen to while growing up. Um, so I remember my mom was into that type of stuff.
0: Just, um, just all over the place. Yeah. 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 And also... Um,
1: so my parents, they, they are... I think it's safe to say they are religious... Old parents, they're very old. I'm. I was not planned. I came after a lot of years of not expecting anything. Right. Um. But, but my mom started in a Catholic faith, but then I guess you know, growing up, uh, she found shelter in so many other beliefs. So, from when I. Started started life and I can remember something I I know my mom had all these like metaphysics or quantum physics or just crazy shit uh books um magic or uh or other stuff like Reiki or Tai Chi or um hands healing or whatever and she was like very just into like crystals and uh,
0: yeah, like holistic. Just kind of things. show me what's out there, right? And yeah, like, yeah. Let me let me see what I think of it. Yeah.
1: The cool thing that I got from my mom is like, there's a beauty in everything. There's like a magic in there, or or not not a magic, but let's say there's poetry behind everything you know, Mm -hmm. or, or not everything, everything, but I mean, behind a culture or a belief or a music, there's, there's, there's some poetry to it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, with my mom, I, I think I learned to be, to have that different perspective and, and to really value that part of life. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, after my parents' music, my older brother, I haven't... Uh, so my, my my brother is 14 years older than me.
2: Okay.
1: And my sister is 18, eight, 18 years older than me. So uh, from my brother, I got a lot of grunge and rock and cool things, Um at first, it was more like Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, you know, like Crow Yam. Mm-hmm. And then later on, um, I, I started listening to other records that he had, like Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, um, just cool things, weird things. Um, so I got that from my brother. But then my sister, she was crazy about like... Pitch Up Boys or The Pitch Mode or The Cure. Um, a lot of The Cure. I loved The Cure growing up. Um, and she was also into like Sade and just like, yeah, sister things. More other things. And they were, both of them, they were into just like the moment, you know, music. Like I guess like I remember they went to this concert like Peter Gabriel or something. Um I remember they would listen sometimes to just like Bob Marley or some reggae things. Mm-hmm. Um but that was mainly because of that time, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um but yeah, they were they were cool individuals. We I I think in my house with always respect, individuality, and it's embraced in different ways. Um, I am, of course, the black sheep of the house, but they were all very cool individuals. They, You know, they all had some sort of, like, just rare um, taste in something.
0: That, that you were introduced to like um, Pearl Jam and, and stuff like and Nirvana and stuff. Now, were you already, were bands like that what made you want to um, play music? Or did you already know, like, I want to play music? Were you already playing an instrument?
1: I was not at the time, um, but I started very young, I think I started like in, at the age of twelve. Okay. Um to really play. Before that I had a drum kit, an incomplete drum kit in my house. Um and I will sometimes slam it but I didn't even knew what was happening. And it wasn't complete. Like I said, I don't even had a snare or an or a hi hat. So it was just like, just like doing nonsense.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, but then later on, I I really liked um, music. I I went to this musical academy because I had like uh, a few of my other good friends going there, and um, m- my best friend growing up. Uh, he had like a crazy cool skills. Um, I guess he was very sensible to the guitar Mm -hmm. because he very fast. He was like very crazy talented and, but he always cool thing about him is always like, Oh, you want to come to my house and play the drum kit that we have over there. And his family was more musical than mine. So they had, like, a bass, they had guitars, they had everything. They had, like, a PA system. Um, They had electronic drum kits and some crazy shit. And over at the house, I tried for the first time the bass, and I really liked it. So I got this very cheap guitar, and we tried to put bass strings on it. (laughs) Um, It wasn't a very cheap acoustic guitar, so... It didn't really sound good, but um, but I, you know, I just try and try and until my dad saw me doing that, and it's like, let's just get a bass, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we we got this like used Washburn bass, it was purple bass, and by that time I was a lot into like just like playing 182 and um, yeah, like you know like neo punk stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, the purple bass was the fucking best. But (laughs) then I had my all my friends, my best friend and some other friends that we were trying to play music with. They were just metalheads because they they really shred. So uh, punk was not longer like something um, that they were interested in pursuing. Which is which I found like very just crazy, and I will get into it later. Um, and so we were gather and play like simple tour and shit, mm. <laughs> but but I was like playing on my purple bass, um, just like you know with my Osiris D3 <laughs> shoes, <was laughs> just rocking the bass and waiting to go home to play Tony Hawk. um type of thing you know yeah so with these with these dudes i learned a lot but eventually i wanted to try the things that i really liked and that's where danny came into the into the picture because i was playing in a new metal band at the time it was not the same band that we used to cover sepultura and stuff it was a different one um but kind of like with the same vibe and circle of friends. And I wanted to do other stuff. And I wanted to include Danny. And they were like, oh, he's just like very, just like porn rocker. Uh, you know, like we're not, like we need like a shredder guitar or whatever. Yeah. Um, And that was for me like, well, I am... I'm not gonna, not gonna play here if we don't have Danny in the band. So I'm doing my own band, and um, we asked the drummer from that band <laughs> <laughs> to help us out. And he was the sweetest, but he was like, very like, I uh, want to do my metal band, so I will partially help you, but then I will find my metal band. Mm-hmm um he stayed with us like seven years and he i think he ended up loving punk music um but we were all kids at that time so you know is perception this... changes every year like every year you just listen to a different thing
0: yeah is this when Zeta started yeah so when Pretty much so the the first show it was
1: on a friend's garage. it was his birthday and um we played i believe three songs, so I think uh we played back to school from Deftones. okay um, we played. Adam song from Blink 182, and probably one song from a Venezuelan band called Gandhi 66, um, something like that. Because okay. it was like we asked our birthday friend, you know, what, is, what are your favorite songs, and we choose those three and just played. That was, like, the first time I played with Danny, you know. And going there, the drummer's mom had a, a big car, so we fit the drum set over there. And, and we were driving, and we were like, oh, we should uh, name the, van, the, the band. And um, we saw this uh, car pass us by with this, like, uh, just on a sticker that said uh, Z71, but we thought it said Z11. So we were, like, just joking, oh, we should call ourselves C11. So we were like, you know, good evening, we're C11. And we were just going to play just, like, for that night and then find a better name, but we never did find it. And uh after a while nobody will say the eleven part. They will be like, Oh, yeah, L'O Seta, you know like Ah right. And so we're like, Well, Seda sounds cool, so we just stick to the Seda thing. And later on it's one of those things that you start reading and, and going back and forth and you find things that will make you vibrate but you didn't really never thought about it, uh, for example, um, back in the days i ancient Greek um, they will say that every you know constellations or stars or planets they they were representing. Uh, a god or a goddess or something out of that mythology.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think once we found out, like Jupiter being a huge, a con- uh, huge planet. Um, I, I don't know if this is accurate though, but I, I, I think we read, it was like Zeus or something. And so, um, uh, they will just put this, the the letter Z for it, which in Spanish and in like that, um, you know, like Omega, Beta, Alpha, uh-huh. yeah. Seda it's one of those. So yeah, I don't know. Just interesting facts that will be like, oh, this is kind of cool, and and it's also just a short name. Um, so yeah. We we stayed with that name after that day.
0: So that so was that the very first time that you ever played in front of people? Then
1: no, no. no. The first time I played in front of people, uh, I played with a school, like after hours thing, and I played drums so that I can get. Uh, some like extra points.
0: Oh, okay. It was a, like a, and, pro- a project almost for class. Yeah, like end of class
1: thing mm-hmm. uh, for for English. It was actually for English, and you will have to pick a song that was in English. So, um, a girl from from my school picked, no doubt, uh, Don't Speak, oh, okay. and I played the drums for it. So that was like the first time technically
0: that's awesome but
1: the first first gig was this new metal gig and I was playing bass and it was like a also a house show and uh, yeah it was it was cool
0: that's awesome when you like were you nervous the first time super when I had
1: to play the drums for no speak uh, don't speak it's the
2: chillest
1: song in the world <laughs> I don't get my muscles were super tense like dream. And I was just like so nervous. Um but I I think nervous and all, I liked it so much. It was just so meaningful to play music. You know, it was such a I don't know. It was like those moments that you were like, Oh shit, I am in love.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um so you like in the beginning then you were you, you were kind of you were, you know, playing other people's songs and you, you pretty much like you know, as far as like I guess this was like Danny's first time playing music and stuff, um, how did you decide like well, okay, this is something that we are doing now, and we're going to write our own songs. Like, did you find that um, at first? Did you find that like intimidating, or were you just like, this is what we're going to do?
1: Well, I think it was a very organic thing. After that gig uh, for our friend's birthday, it we noticed it was very fun just to be around each other. Also our metalhead friend and the drums, you we really vibe together and we were spending so much time together, just like fooling around, playing other people's songs. And um, then we started, what if we try to do one song? And you know, we did one song and uh we kinda recorded it with these cool edits pro. I don't know if you ever uh, heard of that
0: no, I'm not sure. Um,
1: software. So it's oh, like Oh,
0: Cool Edit Yeah, okay, okay. I thought cool you said edit. I thought you said some some beats and I was like I was thinking of the headphone brand and stuff. And oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, cool edit, yeah. I uh, that was like a little bit before my time, I think, like getting into home recording and stuff. but um, I do remember I do remember that going around,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was this is I think it's it's the software that it's prior to Adobe audition,
0: maybe, uh-huh. okay,
1: um, cause it looks so similar, but anyhow, we. Um, recorded with that um, and I think we use we we had these headphones that we will use as microphones and because they will sound they will make the cymbals sound lower so with those headphones we recorded the drums this was a very shitty shitty (laughs)
0: recording um So, like, you tried microphones and and it was too loud. You're like, oh, no, we got to figure something else out?
1: Yeah, we tried the normal, very just like uh, computer microphone that was just like a little stick. And it was too much. And so we tried to put that little stick inside of a box and it was just like crazy sounding. So we're like, one of our friends is like, why don't we try these headphones and connected in the mic thing and we we did it and it made the symbol sound very low very just like not
2: <laughs> yeah. but
1: so it was like this weird recording i think it's it's saying lo-fi will be too much <laughs> you what? know but but we enjoyed it so much we were just like oh my god our first song and Um, it was cool. It was cool enough for us to be like, let's do more songs. Uh But, I gotta say, you know, down there, in, in our hometown especially, the idea of recording an album was so far out. It was not a thing. Like, only, I think... I can only think of one band in our community that recorded an album, and it took it took so many years for them to get to that point. Um, they were called Tomates Fritos, which is fried tomatoes,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, they weirdly played like a very just like rock and roll, bluesy, almost country-ish, weird, weird for, for a... Just like a tiny city in the coast of the Caribbean, but they will they will do it very decently. They had crazy cool guitars, a lot of knowledge, you know mm-hmm. and so they did their first album when it was a ready to fucking even think done recording an album, so by that time. We used to record demo songs every now and then, and it wasn't until we had like seven years playing Seda that we got to um, record a long play album.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I saw. Yeah. Cause I saw that uh, y'all said. You you started in 2003, and then I was actually curious about that because the the date on um, sorry if I say this wrong um, Hideo yeah uh, so that was in uh, 2010. But I was like I was wondering because I was like, is that just because because like Bandcamp really like only just like came out around 2010 or was that because of other things or was it like you had a bunch of recordings before that but you're like at this point we're not putting those online because you're not you know as proud of them or um
1: well yeah that's true we had we had some recordings with the og name and they it's not that we're not proud of it because I think we embrace changes very well. Sure. I think it's it's very... That's a huge part of Danny's and, and me growing up, just changing a lot. Experimenting art, music, uh, cultures, whatever. We just like... And because changes have being always there in all of the um, different things that we've pursued. Also because growing up in a very just like weird political environment, we've always liked changes and challenges and we're very nomadic in our way to be. So those songs, they stopped Somehow they stopped representing what we what we wanted to communicate, I guess. And mm-hmm. so we let them just be in the past and be like a very just like some people will remember this from a time in life. But we just have to move on, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Also we always had certain things, uh, issues with like how the recording was or how this and that sounded. And it's just like, I it feels like the official first album, you know? Mm-hmm. It was, like I said, it was like our, our very first LP. And so before that, because of how difficult it was to record we had this idea of doing an album with a compilation of all the good songs that we wrote in those seven fucking years. And so we went to a studio with that in mind. Um, in, actually, in 2008, we went in a studio. Um, and the friend that will record us at that time, uh, his name is Marcel Fernandez, and very talented um, producer and audio engineer and many other things. Um, he was very honest, very blunt, very frontal. Um, he was like, "I could charge you guys for this and get my money and and call it the day, or I can tell you that it's not worth to put an album." with music that you've been recording and demos and playing for seven years. Like you, you should try to do just a conceptual thing. Like, you know, that will just like represent who you guys are now. And it won't sound just like a weird five new metal songs and then five kind of hardcore songs. And it was just like all over the place. And, It was, at the time, um, we were very young, and Marcel was already a little bit older. Um, I think he was probably like, I want to say like 25, 27, and we were 17th, 18th, Um, so we, it wasn't easy to hear. Right. But we admired Marcel so much because this guy at this point had like had like booked bands from outside of Venezuela. So Marcel did like Puli and Boodoo um, Glow Schools and Strung Out, and he worked uh, as a logistic assistant for for No and. Uh, he 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 bring to Venezuela twice uh RX Bandits and also bring Love You Moon which was the RX Bandits uh, singer solo project or whatever mm-hmm. so Marcel was like the guy he was like the regrouping from our fucking community it's like this weird dude with crazy ideas and it's like why don't we, like, record the drums in the first floor and we set the microphones in the second type of dude, you know? It yes. was, like, very, just, like, edgy, crazy, but very cool. Um, he was also, like, this... He, he, when he used to play in bands, like, ska, and he, so he was, like, this rude boy... I I can tell you his profile picture in Facebook was him naked, only wearing cumbers on top of a a big car. And the only thing covering his parts was this Fly and V Gibson guitar. (laughs) So this guy was hella cool. (laughs) You know?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh we were like, damn, you know, we we have to learn from these type of things. We can't just like be like, Oh, you didn't you know, like we weren't really seeking for uh satisfying our own ego. We were more like, well, you know, if we have this challenge then let's fucking nail these things. So we went, we, we were looking for an excuse to drop off college. And so we dropped off college, went back to our hometown and, you know, just focused on doing an album. And uh, before that, we, we had the opportunity of um, playing outside of the country a couple of times. And um, one of those times was Argentina. I think it was, yeah, uh, probably 2008 or 2009. And uh, we we got there, and the first place we went is this little town called Ael. Um, and it really changed our perspective. We we started hanging in this tattoo shop in that little town, and we met this crazy cool artist, tattoo artist, that will also listen to crazy cool music. Uh, I believe I believe one album of battles was already out at that time. I also think probably Converge, X to Fall, um, was already out or was coming out at that time. I don't really remember. I also remember this uh, album Poison the Well, Tropic Rod, Tropical Rod or something. Uh-huh. I just remember there was a bunch of cool, like, heavy, badass-sounding sound, music that we heard in that town with this Argentinian friend. So when we came back, we had all this inspiration. We also played with hella cool bands. Um, in, 20, in, in 2008, we played with Combat Group in Costa Rica. And we were direct support, and, dude, it was, like, so... Such an eye-opening experience, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then in Argentina, we played with Argentinian bands that were super cool. So we had all of that um, just fresh knowledge. Or not knowledge, but just, like, being exposed to to things that we really look up to, Mm -hmm. um, made us have these cool ideas for an album. And so we worked and worked and put uh, pre-production together and show it to Marcel. And he was like, this is badass, let's do it. Um, So we went into his basement And stay there for, like, I don't know, like a month or something. And then we took our time to really, like, mix and master and do crazy things. And so because Marcel had that connection with uh, our ex-bandits and Sergeant House and whatnot, um, we got... Um, a friend of Marcel's to make the cover for us. is this guy named Sonny K, super talented artist too. Um, so he did our first two album covers. So it was very just like we were doing very um, ambitious uh, edgy things. At that time, um, for anybody in Venezuela, it was just like a crazy, crazy thing.
0: Cover is incredible like the figure that's like um kind of a forest and yeah. sitting down like that it's just that's incredible i mean i'm i'm a a really big fan of like um specifically like comic type art yeah and, and that's very as very has a very like dark uh but but yet sort of comic art like uh, yeah sensibility to it. It's like I looked. I was looking at that. I was like, God. Well, like, where where would you even start with that? But um, yeah, it's incredible. Um, so,
1: what we really liked about that one is that for us, when we saw the image, because I think I I I don't think I know that Sonny K already had it uh, by the time that we started talking, and we shared the rights of the image and so <clears throat> what we really loved was that for us it feels like that um that figure made out of plants it's it's located at that Mochima park um, that was our catch mm mm-hmm. um Years later, something happened. Um, I don't mean this. Now I'm. I think uh, with uh, experience and the the knowledge that comes with age, I've. You know, like I've rebased this situation uh, a few times and I I understand more now also because I live in the States. But um, somehow Sony sold the or not sold but shared the, the rights of the image with another artist. Um, so that was really Difficult to understand for us. Yeah. And I guess. We got. Just like a little bit like. I don't know. Like. I'm. I guess. Like a mix of sad. And. Just like. You know. You admire someone. And then you get. Confused by it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Nope. I that I mean that's not. I don't know if that's typical for somebody to you know to like. Um, sort of like sell the same image to another artist. You know, I, I don't know. So I, I I get where you're coming from. That would be sort of like, this. Wow, this this represents this huge piece of work that we uh, spent all this time doing, and yeah, and and then it's just. It's, You know, it's it's also somewhere else. It would be a little bit hard to. uh... I
1: think I think I have to say. I don't think Sony meant anything bad. Um, Not even close to what we thought at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Because at the time it felt, it was not even the thing about sharing the art, it was it was that feeling of, oh, I guess that what we do is not as important for this person as we thought it, wa- it yeah. was. Yeah. Which is not a real thing, because I now I understand sometimes struggle is it's hard, and especially in a capitalist um, place that you have to pay rent because if not, you'll be in the streets or fucking, you know?
0: Right, right. Uh,
1: I guess at the moment, given that we were still young and we had our family support at the time, it just... In our eyes, in our shoes, it was like um, like a very difficult thing to understand. Um, yeah. yeah. So at certain point, we decided to do our own covers and it was kind of cool. I mean, you know uh, for for better or worse. I learned a lot, and nowadays I've the other thing I've I do besides music and 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 also occasionally do some DoorDash delivery.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the other thing I do besides that is uh, graphic design gigs, especially for merch and, and things like that, mm-hmm. and so. If I didn't have that drive or that need at that time, I think I wouldn't ever, you know, pursue this uh, career or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think we're all, because we like changes so much, I think those type of challenges are are very welcomed
0: yeah you you saw like it as an opportunity to learn how to do something for yourself instead of relying on you know another a person to where you know you might find yourself in this same kind of situation or a, or a different and possibly even worse you know type of situation yeah um, yeah, I th- I was going to say actually that I thought that you know um I mean I'm I'm going to start off by saying right off the bat that y'all have an extremely intimidating catalog like it is just like I I w- like I when the new, when the two newest LPs come out like I was on them and I was just like listening to the LPs and every time I would be like what else do I want to listen to by this band? There is so much. Like, it's incredible, like, what y'all have put out there in the last, like, you know, (coughs) um, 10 years. But, like, one thing that I was thinking is how um, a lot of the artwork uh, was, it, it, it definitely, like, when I see it, I think immediately of your band you know and i think that i didn't know until now that you were doing a lot of the artwork but i think that is like now that that light just clicked on like oh well that makes sense you know like yeah. um and i mean you had some you had some splits and stuff so i don't know you know if some of that it was other artists or whatever but yeah specifically some of the just some of the um the artworks—they just have a, a very, um, that there—it feels like symbolism. I don't know if you yeah. would, yeah. if you feel like you draw from symbolism in in, in um, your work.
1: Well, I gotta say, first of all, thank you so much for acknowledging uh, the graphic part of 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 our uh, project. It's it's. Thank you, thank you so much. Oh
0: yeah, of course.
1: Um. And well, yeah, you you, you are very right with the uh, splits part. I've been taking care mainly of just uh, The covers of the long uh, played albums. Um, I. I think symbols are something that aesthetically I really liked. Um, I don't start the art necessarily by them. I've done it. I did it with the Magia Infinita LP. Um, but it's just like I had all these crazy books from my mom in my house growing up, and I remember barely some of the things, mainly just like runes mm-hmm. um but I know I'm not doing them perfectly, but I just like the idea of playing with them and gave giving them um just like a meaning mm-hmm. um we have an album, the first album that I did the cover for instead of uh doing the track list with names, I came up with a symbol for for each track. And um, I love it. I love that, um, doing stuff like that. You know, and I think uh, having Danny to be so supportive of me uh, when we were um, starting to... Uh, do our own graphic things I got to you know just free canvas to explore mm-hmm. and um, yeah
0: yeah that's that's awesome um another thing I was I was gonna um, ask I mean like I said you you have a you have a very uh, expansive catalog so i I just want to Touch on a few things, but um, so uh, um, I don't. I I imagine I won't say this very well, but um, las nuevas Tenden- uh, tendencias. Um, yeah,
1: so no, you said it. That's the way. That's the correct way.
0: Okay, so so, um, I you know I didn't know like your band at that time. You know that was quite a while ago. But um, did you really? Drop two LPs on the same date.
1: We so we did a a double CD album for that one. Right. It it's a DJ pack and it has two CDs on it. Right. And yeah, I mean, yeah, and, yeah. but
0: it's essentially two full length albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, okay, I didn't like. I looked through. And I, I think I'm, I'm getting this right, but so one of the LPs was in English and one was yeah. in Spanish.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: What, like, can you take me through the, just like a, the brief, like, yeah, the, the, the idea behind not only that part of it, but just like, why... Um, it's the same, well, I mean, I understand now since you said you released them both in the same package. Now I understand why one is A and one is B, but just what, um, what were the, just like the, what was the brainchild for that whole project?
1: Well, um, so to explain that, I have to go back a bit A bit. Uh, so, given that it was not a common thing to find Latin rockers, and we didn't have anything related that was in Spanish
2: mm-hmm.
1: at that time, we tried to sing in English at first. Okay. Uh, very roughly, not knowing, um... Uh, not knowing that much English, to be honest. Um, but we we wanted to do something more similar to the things that we liked at the time. So we tried in English, and, you know, it was very hard for people to understand it and in our country. So we started, we had already an idea for a new thing and we were already, like, writing in English. But then we're like, we should write in Spanish because we're here and we're from over here and it's our, you know, but it was just so weird and so different. I gotta say, like, after that, I started listening to more, like, post-Harkery Latin American bands. But I think at the time, they weren't that many. I remember we were that band in Venezuela. And then, you know, there's in Argentina, they had a couple of others. They had these very good bands, one called Árboles in Llamas, which is like uh, trees in flames. And um, these other band called Escupen Serpientes, which is like... Uh, st- st- Speeding snakes. Okay. And in Chile, there there was this epic band, older than all of us, uh, called um, Asamblea Internacional del Fuego. It's a very long name, but it stands for the International Assembly of Fire. Um, so, yeah. Um, it was not easy to find stuff from that aisle in Spanish but we wanted to give it a try so in that album we were in that middle of transitioning to becoming a Spanish band Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why it it has both um, languages but the concept of the album was to make day and night. Um, it's it, it, it has a lot of like alchemy and just like a lot of references to nature and spirituality and other type of stuff um, that we were into at the moment. And we had the audacity of calling in. Las nuevas tendencias, which is the new tendencies,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, because we we were so excited with all these bands from Argentina and whatever, and it's like, you know, you know, let's 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 put a name to this like uh, community, you know, let's 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 be um, a little bit. I don't know, just like braggy about it you know Mm -hmm. and so we went with the name um, and it all felt great and it was I gotta say that that album um, more than I that album had a a cool place in the hearts of a lot of friends back home
0: that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like, like I said a couple times now, it, it is, it is wild when, it when someone goes to your Bandcamp page and they really could just like, they could spend a lot of time there, like just yeah. listen, listening to music and, and, uh, and just not, not even just like, not even just, and here's some new songs, but, like, there's uh, releases where y'all will have uh, a new song and then a live set. Like, I I think there's more than a couple yeah. of those. And um, I was wondering, like, um, if there was a, like, <coughs> excuse me, was there more to that as well than just, like, we we had this like live set that was really good and we want people to hear it or was it like were you were you actively playing shows at the time so you're like w- like let's put this thing on this thing with this new thing and we'll have something new to show people or like was it a combination of those things
1: yeah it was a combination of those things and also making cassette tapes and stuff like that to just like sell with the merch right um just putting together anything we could to 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 make a tape yeah um I so cool fact we've asked ourselves especially with all the last albums like we're like should we change this should we only leave this should we change the name what should we do and you know we had to come to ther- to terms with just accepting that seta is more just the canvas and the spirit around us around our friendship um because at this point it's just so over the <laughs> it's so all over yeah it, it's so many genres it's so many styles it's so many sounds philosophies bunch of things and so it's not ideal for new fans sometimes it's not ideal for all traditional fans that will love to listen more of the hardcore thing and then we put out like this crazy cumbia song or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's 100% real of where we're at and what are we doing with our friendship. And that's just what lead or drives our motivation to do um, art. And also, at this point, um, it's not just any friendship. It's also a friendship that will sometimes bring food to the table or, you know, opportunities of knowing people that will later um, give us a hand or work with us in other stuff like um, at at this point we have the opportunity of being uh, musicians for like just like you know like sessions like higher gone musicians for other type of things.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Danny's been lately, for example, Danny's been working with uh, with a hip hop boom bop artist very just old school, and and another uh, uh, this this woman named um, La Nena, which is like more urban Latin trap sometimes, but more romantic, and and Danis worked as a guitar player, as a keyboard player, as a Anything you know?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because you have to work. You have to do life, and you know, all of those connections comes from putting yourself out there, going on tour, learning, having experiences, getting to know other people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, you know, our our little friendship project got us this far. Um, got us here to the states, for example, um, and has have always been our main, or well, not always, but since we got here to the states, it's always been our main way of navigating life. So, you know, it's it's we we honor and cherish this project because of what we've accomplished as humans around it you know
0: yeah that's awesome um so you know like uh i've i really enjoyed i've really enjoyed hearing all your like perspectives on on the band and music and and everything um but um One last thing that I wanted to get into, and I don't know how much you can um, really talk about this, is, uh, well, um, so you're, you all are recording a new album, which is going to be out on Skeletal Lightning. Um, Yeah. And there's been a, there's been a a single for that already. Um, How can, how much can you tell us about the new album and like, do you know when people can expect it? Are you still recording it? Um, where
1: be? So, I think we're good to talk about it because we've never been um, like secret. about <laughs> right, right. I I think uh, Sean and the family from Scaly they uh, I think they support us talking about it. So I think it's no problem.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Today, the conversation that I was in with Danny before jumping into this, um, we were in a Zoom call with Brock Mende, who who is the producer of this album, and the Mochima album. And uh, we were finishing the in's and the outs of every song to go to master. So that's where we're at with the album. We thought it was going to be ready sooner. Um we wanted to have it ready for tour. It's it's an impossible thing. <laughs> yeah. Um so up to this point it's just waiting for the masters and then maybe to be realistic I I think it will maybe be out digitally first or if we can pull off like a miracle situation and have it pressed in a couple of Months, then maybe we could like have it for the second leg of the tour this year. Um, but we're trying to put it out as soon as we get the, you know, the finish result. Cause again, every album it's like it's a moment that we had together in the weeks. Uh, choose to experiment with a certain thing, and if we hold to it much longer, we will already be in another thing.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, we want to try to put it out soon. We have, so, um, in January of 2020, res- <laughs> resolu- New Year's resolution, we said we were going to work in a bunch of uh, video things because we are all very passionate about uh, film Mm -hmm. and we've been learning. We're not, you know, the super pro stream uh, videographers, but we have some cool ass friends um, that has teach us so much. And we've, had the opportunity of working all together and we did um, like four different videos and a live session and a bunch of things that we're just like waiting patiently for everybody uh, to work their times and but hopefully that will be going to be released Uh, I will Love to say monthly Um We've already released two of those Videos And so I think we'll have A few or two Tricks In our (laughs) sleeves Uh so that we don't get bored Just waiting for the album thing Yeah Which is cool I gotta say And with this new Uh yeah, this new era of music and streaming, you know, putting just one album and waiting two years and put another album will might not be the best way to go about it nowadays. Um, it might work sometimes because, to be honest, I don't think there's a book of how you should do this right? because there's so many different things that you could achieve. You know, maybe success looks like being true to yourself and putting your album out or maybe success means having a super uh, just like huge release or whatever. Mm. Or maybe it's... Not even that part, you know, yeah, maybe success looks like I don't know, like maybe doing I don't know covers or whatever or 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 featuring in others artists' things. Um, so but I think being super mysterious and just putting an album two or three years and uh, and working that way I don't think it's it's sustainable nowadays because then you you spend so much time in the album and you spend time in studio and all that time costs us money and you know you don't you're missing on the opportunity of building your audience putting yourself out there hyping your shows your tours there's so many things that you can do when announcing a release that will bring so much positive impact to your crafting
0: And that was my conversation with Wanxi. Thank you so much, Wanxi, for taking the time to chat with me. It was a real pleasure. Thanks to all y'all for listening as well. Until next time, take care and do good things.